I gotta find him. Cooper, where's Cooper? Come here, Cooper. Come here. You're gonna help me today, for a minute. Um, you know how to fish? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I figured that. I wasn't gonna bring your dad up here. Um. Okay. Let's say I want to go fishing. Let's say I'm gonna leave here today and I'm gonna go fishing. Okay. This is what I got. Do I need anything else? Need a boat. I need a what? Need a boat. No, I can fish on a bank. Yeah, if you wanted to go into deeper waters. Okay. But here's my question. I got everything I need to go fishing. Can I just walk over to Dave's pond, for instance, and take this little thing off and cast it out there and reel in a fish? Why? Because you need permission. Well, I got permission. I got an end there. Wow, you raised this boy right. Yeah. No, he's given me permission, so I can go there. Is there anything else I need? No, I'm not going to fish with bait. I'm just going to take this off. I'm all set to go. I mean, right there. I got my hook. I got my line. I'm going to go over to, to Mr. Shrams. I'm going to walk down. I'm going to lock the gate behind me. You got to do that. And I'm going to throw it in the pond just like this. What do you think my odds are of catching anything? Huh? What if I told you that I was going to catch something on the very first cast? I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to go hook's going to go down in the water, and I'm good. What, what are my odds? Think I can do it? I don't know. Huh? Probably not. Probably not? Keep that in mind. Go back there. I'm going to read you a passage now. Keep that in mind. Matthew chapter 17. It's interesting. The only place the, the story is found in the book of Matthew, but listen to the story. Matthew chapter 17. Uh, you got it, guys? After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. Peter came into the house. Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. For whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered then the sons are exempt. Jesus said to him, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, you'll find a four drachm a coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Um, yeah, this is going to become, this is, yeah. Randy's going to adopt this as a new theme verse. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, really, this is an amazing story. Okay? Um, so let's, let's break it down and let's make sure we kind of understand it. And then there's a lot to learn from it for us. Okay? Uh, and i got to go really fast. So here we go. They came to Capernaum. Apparently, Jesus and his disciples had been outside of the area, so they make their way back. A lot of people believe this was right next to where Peter's house was. Um, and so the idea is that Jesus is in the house, probably with the disciples. Peter and maybe some of the other disciples are outside. 
While they're outside, the temple tax collectors come up to him. Now, we've got to understand the temple tax. What happened was, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they set up the tabernacle for the first time. When they did, Moses established a temple tax. It was a half a shekel, which was paid by every young man 20 years and older. And it went for support of the tabernacle. So every year, they would come together and they would collect, usually at Passover, they would collect the temple tax, which in the, te- in the, in the uh, wilderness time was a half a shekel per male person over the age of 20. All right? We get into Solomon's temple. And the temple tax still exists. Uh, so every year around Passover time, they would collect a tax. So the tax was supposed to go to support the main temple. But I think over time, it developed to support not just the main temple, but the little synagogues that would establish in other cities as well. By the time uh, Solomon's temple gets destroyed, Zerubbabel comes along, and he rebuilds the temple. And then Nehemiah comes along, and he puts walls around the city of Jerusalem. During that time, Nehemiah says, look, it's not going to be a half a shekel. We're going to reduce it to a third. Everybody's sacrificing to build the walls, so let's not make it too imposing upon people. By the time we get to Jesus' time, Herod has built the temple. Zerubbabel's temple gets destroyed. Herod builds a temple. And by that time, for whatever reason, the temple tax is now two shekels. Shekels was a Jewish coin, all right? So it's a two-shekel tax um, that, that they would pay. Um, towards the, or a shekel, I think it was a shekel. Um, it came out to two drachma, uh, where is that? Or, or four, well, no, two drachma per person. Um, so what would, and we'll get into all that in a minute. That's a whole other ballgame. But so they would have to pay this tax. And so normally it's paid at Passover time, but they would start collecting ahead of time for people who may not be going to Passover, even though they were supposed to all go to Passover. So they would start coming out. Now, that tax was paid by everybody, every male over the age of 20, Jewish males. There are a couple of exemptions. If you owned the temple or the land that the temple was on, you and your family were exempt. If you were a rabbi, an officially recognized rabbi, you didn't have to pay the temple tax. So you need to understand, when they come to Peter, there's a little bit of a jab here. There's a little bit of a jab about the idea of they're always looking for to, to find something to pick at. There's a little bit of a jab by saying, does your master pay? That, notice what he says. He says, does your teacher pay? Okay, Teacher is a word for rabbi. So it's almost the idea of does he pay because he's really not a real rabbi? Also, the way they phrase this question is, in the Greek language, here's the way it, it would actually go. Your teacher pays the temple tax, doesn't he? So it's one of these things where they're trying to corner Peter. Now, Peter doesn't take the bait. Peter doesn't argue about whether or not he's official rabbi or not. And Peter doesn't have to go back and ask Jesus. He knows Jesus pays this tax. Okay? And he says, you know, yeah, he does. Okay? And they're, they're kind of standing there like, well, you know, and they got some time. So... Um, that, that's kind of the, that was kind of the scenario. Well, by the time Jesus gets on the scene, this thing gets pretty abused, right? To give you an idea, the two drachma, um, the shekel tax, uh, whatever um, uh, currency you want to use, uh, it came down to two days' wage, right? So 
Uh, ballpark. Average median family income in the United States is $52,000 a year. $1,000 a week comes out to $200 a day. In our culture, a ballpark analogy would be we have a $400 a year tax if you're going to come to this church. So here's the way we would do it if we were Old Testament. Okay. Now you could take that little blurb and put it out there and then you know we're, we're all messed up. But here's the idea Okay, in context. If, if we were in that system, here's the way they had the system set up. So what we would do is we would say, look, there's a $400 tax for every male over the age of 20 who wants to come here. And every year at Easter, we're going to collect $400 per male person over the age of 20. Okay? And you would hem haul around about it and you go, I don't like that. But we're going to collect it. All right? And we're going to expect it. Well, we're going to change things up a little bit because here's the deal. It has to be paid in Papua New Guinea currency. Anybody got Papua New Guinea currency and $400 hanging around? No, not $400 worth. Um, But guess what? I happen to have Papua New Guinea currency. And for every $450 you give me, in American currency, I will give you $400 in Papua New Guinea currency. And I'm going to make it very convenient for you. I'm going to set up a little booth at the back of the church between now and Easter, and I will change money. And, you know, the rates could go up. Because as we get closer to Easter, it's 475 U.S. dollars for every 400 Papua New Guinea. You get the concept? That's why, by the way, in a little bit, Jesus is going to go into the tabernacle and he's going to see him playing this game. And he's going to go back out and he's going to come back in the next day and he's going to deal with it. He's going to turn over the changers, the, the tables of the money changers. And he's going to say, you're not making my father's house a house of thieves. That's why he's so upset, because that's what they're doing. I mean, if we did that, you would be livid. And yet, they had done it so often, it was common sense. It was second nature. They were doing it and not even thinking about it. And so, what happens is, there was a temple tax that was set up. Rome allowed the Jewish people to collect the temple tax, and to go around and enforce the temple tax. And that's what they're doing. They're coming to Peter. And Peter says, no... My, or yes, my master pays the tax. Now, Peter is now, follow the story, Peter now goes back to the house. And the whole time, Peter is probably running this all through his head, going, well, he's a rabbi. Rabbis don't have to pay the tax. Why is he paying the tax? And you know, I have just said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and it's God's temple And if he's God's son, why is God's son paying taxes on the temple that his father owns? And Peter's probably running all this through his head. Going, we really don't have to pay this tax. And notice this very carefully about the story, because this is important. Read what it says. When Peter came into the house, it's the next phrase. Jesus was the first to speak. Peter doesn't walk in and ask the question. Jesus already knows what had happened. Jesus already knows what's going through Peter's head. And he says, from whom do kings... What do you think, Simon? 
It's interesting. He uses the word, his name, Simon. And that's, that's important, but we won't talk about it. Why do you think, Simon? Yeah. From whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? He goes, hey, Peter, i got a question for you. When kings tax people, who do they get the tax from? Do they take it from their family or do they take it from everybody else? And Peter goes, from others. Peter answered, then sons are exempt. Now, Jesus is basically saying, look, we don't have to pay this. Peter, you put your faith and trust in me. You're my son, my father's house. It's my temple. You're exempt. By the way, he's starting to show, big, deeper level picture here, he's starting to show Peter that when he comes to the cross, things are going to change. And things are changing because he's now on the scene. And later he's going to show him about the whole unclean, clean animal thing. But right now, he looks at him and he goes, Peter, son, or Peter answered, then sons are exempt. And notice what Jesus says, because this is really important. But so that we may not offend them. See, a lot of people have a problem with this miracle because this is the only miracle that Jesus does, quote, unquote, for himself. All the other miracles, Jesus is doing something for somebody else. This is a unique miracle because Jesus is doing something for himself. I don't think so. Because it tells me here why he did it, so that he may not offend them. He wasn't doing this for them, him, he was doing this for them. He didn't want to give them an opportunity to offend, to be offended. He was looking out for his testimony, and he says, Okay, Peter, in order, I understand, Peter, I don't have to pay it. But, it's only 400 bucks. I'm not going to make an issue over 400 bucks. And then notice what he says. So that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line. Now, what was Peter's occupation prior to this? He's a fisherman. If I could convince, if I could convince um, Cooper, yeah. I looked at him, he's gone. Um, if I could convince Cooper... Okay, that this would work. I don't think I could. I think the kid's too smart. Okay, I mean, you know, he's already, he's already telling me i got to get permission to fish, you know. I'm not going to convince him to go throw an empty hook in the water and catch a fish. But that's what Jesus does. He looks at a seasoned, trained fisherman and says, this is how you do it. You go to the lake, and he didn't tell him. He didn't even tell him which lake, any lake. You throw in your line, and the first fish you catch, you open its mouth, and there's not just any coin, there's a four drachma coin. There is exactly what you need to pay this tax for us. And Peter, the only reason we're doing this, we don't want to give them an opportunity to offend. Peter, we're more worried about our testimony than we are about the 400 bucks. Or in this case, by the way, it been 800 bucks. He's paying for both of them. So that's the story. Um, a couple of takeaways, a couple of things for us. Here's the first thing, and I think this is one of the big issues in this. Your testimony is so important. Jesus said, look, Jesus doesn't make this an issue. 
He doesn't sit there and argue about his rights, about I don't have to pay the tax because my father owns a temple and, and it's his house and, 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 and I'm his son. He doesn't do all that. I, I don't have to pay it because I'm a rabbi. Even though you haven't acknowledged me as a rabbi and given me the piece of paper, I'm still a rabbi and I got more followers than you do anyway. Than, and he doesn't deal with any of that. Why? In order that we may not offend. Look. We're in a culture in Christianity right now where we focus a lot on what can you do as a Christian. And we focus a lot on our freedoms in Christ. And some of you are like me. You grew up in a generation where church was about all of the things you didn't do. You didn't do this, and 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 you didn't do this. And And what happened is we generated a group of people who felt superior to other people. And then the world didn't want anything to do with that because all they saw were people who looked down. That's what we face around in this whole cultural thing right now. Is, is, is it's, you know, it's like, you know, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe unless it's something conservative. And then you get attacked for it because you're a bigot or because you're unreasonable or unloving. And, and, and so now it's, it's, and it's kind of like they're beating us over the head with that. And so it's a real struggle now for Christians who are trying to figure out where we fit into this dynamic of all of these issues that are out there, these social issues that we're trying to wrestle through. And here's what he says. Jesus says, look, you know, you don't want to go down that road where you're superior. So I'm not going to have these fights on what my rights are. You know what? I'll pay the tax. It's not that big a deal. I'm not going to make that the ground and the hill that I die on. And what I would say to you and I is, we have to take a good, hard look at our testimonies. And follow this, just because you can do something as a Christian, doesn't mean you should. Let me say it again. Just because you can do something as a Christian, doesn't mean you should. Paul argues this in Romans and in 1 Corinthians in dealing with the issue of meat. Paul says, look, I, look, meat's meat. I don't care if it's been offered to some pagan god or not. Meat's meat. I, I can enjoy a good steak. I don't care who you sacrificed it to. To me, it's just steak. But if it's going to hurt a weaker brother, then you know what? I'll be a vegetarian. That's what he says. He says, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to do it just because I can What's more important is my testimony. And, and I want to say this because I think we're forgetting this. I think we're forgetting in Christianity that, look, there are some things that, you know what, honestly, you can do. But it doesn't mean you should. Because there's a much bigger thing at stake, and that's your testimony. I'm not, I don't not do things because I'm superior to you. I, I don't not do things because... I'm more concerned about helping you make better choices. So for me, it's a deal where, you know what, it's too imp- you, your testimony is too important. And I think, like with kids, I think we forget this. Okay, Moms, dads, let me tell you something. If you haven't figured this out yet, what you do when you're with your adult friends is teaching your kids what adults do. do that that's how kids learn what adults do 
They watch adults. And so what your idea of this is how I relax is going to be developed into their idea of how adults are supposed to relax. You've got to think that through. You know, and, and you know, if you haven't figured it out yet, as your kids get older, the argument of, I know I do this, but I don't want you to do this, forget that. Yeah, good luck with that one. Good luck. The strongest, the strongest argument you have for your kids is, look, I don't need to do that. So you know what? I don't want you to do that. That's the strongest argument you have for a kid. And this gets scary. You know what in that sense you're saying? What Paul said, just follow me. Follow me. You do what I do, and you'll be fine. You're going, whoa, that's like a whole different level of living. Exactly. Exactly. Why? Because your testimony is so, so, so important, especially to kids and grandkids. And, and you know, let's not miss it, grandkids as well. Okay? Grandkids as well. Um, you know, I learned it when my kids, you know, I'll never forget. I think it was Jimmy. I think it was Jimmy. He was driving. Yeah. No, it was Jimmy. I'll never forget. Gene always drove with the boys, okay, because that, I, they hated driving with me. Okay? But once in a while, I would let them drive, and I would sit in the other seat. I mean, I... I, I I'm a control freak. I can't do that. But I did because the kids need to learn how to. I'll never forget, we pulled out of our, you know where our gravel road is, and, and Jimmy, and I, I'm almost sure it was Jimmy. Oh, it was Josh. It was Josh. Okay, it was Josh. See, you were the good son. Um, so it was Josh. We were pulling out. We were pulling out our gravel road, and I'll never forget, he didn't, there's a stop sign there, and he just buzzed right through it. I mean, he didn't stop. He just kind of slowed down and buzzed right through it. And I went ballistic. I'm going, Josh, did you not see the stop sign? He goes, yeah, I know there's a stop sign there. He said, but I don't have to stop. I said, what do you mean you don't have to stop? He goes, Dad, he said, you just slow down. He said, that's what you do. And it was like, okay, but don't do what I do. What I've been doing was wrong. Don't do what I do, you know? And that's so easy to do, you know. And, and, but, I mean, I mean, he blew through it like it was nobody's business. And I went, whoa. And, you know, that's what you got to realize. Look, they're watching. They're listening. They're taking it all in. And grandparents, when the grandkids are around, they're taking it all in. Okay? So, so be, be conscious of your testimony. I think the second thing you see about this thing is you see the, the, the fancy word is the omniscience of God. Here's what you see. You see the idea that God knew what was going on. God knew about the discussion with Peter and the other things. Jesus knew about Peter wrestling with this thing all the way. And when Peter walks in the house, Jesus knows exactly what Peter, where Peter's mind is. Why? Because he knows Peter. He says, Peter, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you, Peter. Um, who gets, who, when the king... Collects taxes, who's he collected from, Peter? You know what that tells me? It tells me that Jesus knows everything that's going on in your life right now. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows what you're struggling with. It hasn't taken him by surprise. 
He knows, he knows what's going on in your head and your heart. He knows what the struggles and the turmoils and the pull is. It's okay. He knows. And, and you know, and I, I'm a big believer in, and, you know, we like to Christianize everything and make everything nice and flower. And I'm a big believer in the fact that, you know, God and I are really honest with each other. It's like, look, I believe he knows my heart and my mind and, and, and all of that. And when I'm upset or anything else, you know, I say, look, God, I don't think this is fair. Look, God, I'm having a really hard time with this. I mean, I, I, I'm really serious about being honest with God about it. Why? Well, he already knows. He already knows what my struggle, my internal struggles are. And in this situation, Peter is struggling, I think. And Peter walks in the house, and he no sooner gets in the door than Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, Peter, I've got a question for you. Uh, let's talk about what's on your heart and mind, Peter, because I know what you're struggling with here. That's the kind of God we have. He knows what you're struggling with. It's okay. He wants to talk about it with you. And then notice what he does. This is what I think is incredible. You see his power in his hand in all of it. He says, look, I know it. I, I, Peter, I know you're frustrated about it. It's no big deal. Let me tell you how we're going to solve this problem, Peter. You're going to go fishing. Grab a line. I, I'm assuming it had a hook on it. Throw it in the water. Pull out the first fish. Open its mouth. Pull out the coin. Go pay the tax. I got it covered, Peter. I know how we're going to solve this problem, Peter. Now, I'm sure Peter's wrestling in his mind, how are we going to come up with the, with the money, and, and how are we going to do this, and how are we going to do that? And, and, God, and Peter, God, Jesus just looks at him and says, Peter, i got to solve. But, Peter, you're going to have to trust me, and you're going to have to do something here. You're going to have to go down and throw a line in the water. And then you're going to have to open the fish's mouth and pull out the coin. You're going to have to go take it to the, to the temple, guys. But, Peter, I've, I've got a plan and I've got it figured out. And Peter, it's okay. I've got this, Peter. And whatever it is that's seriously heavy on your heart this morning, God's got it. He's got it. He's got a plan. It may involve something really bizarre. It may involve, but you're going to have to trust Him and do what He asks. You know? I mean, can you imagine Peter going, oh, no, Jesus, that's not the way you fish. But I got a friend who's got a boat, and we can go out early in the morning, and I know where there's a bunch of fish, and I know. Throw the line in the water, open the fish's mouth, take out the coin, go give it to the guys. I've got this, Peter. And whatever you're up against right now, God's got a plan. He knows what needs to happen next. I mean, you know, you heard it. You heard it from Candace. I mean, I think it was a great. I think it was a great thing. This is how God laid it all out. Not the week she planned on heading into. God said, "I got this. I got this." You know, and 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 you know, I could spend the rest of the time talking about her testimony deal. But you know, one of the hardest, and I know Candace enough to know this. One of the hardest things was to accept that check. And I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. It would have been a sin for you not to. You would have robbed somebody of a blessing that they, that God had laid on their heart. You would have basically looked at God and said, No, God, I know you want to do it this way, but i got a better way. Let me pay for it. 
God had a plan. And whatever you're up against this morning, God's got a plan. And He is powerful enough to take care of whatever it is because He knows. He knows what's going on. So my challenge, my, my prayer for you this week goes something like this. God reminds us that He's in charge. He knows what we're going through. We don't travel this journey alone. He wants to be our focus and our testimony. He is so important. And so we have to remember that we have to watch out for our testimony so that we can share others boldly, boldly share with others Jesus Christ. And um, this morning, if, you're, uh, if your heart's heavy, it's okay. He knows. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, your, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your plans are not our plans. But, Lord, we've got to learn to trust, and we've got to learn to walk with you every step of the way. So, Lord, help us to do that. And, Lord, for some who have not given a lot of thought to their testimony, they're more focused on, on, on the things that they can do and the things that uh, not given a lot of, uh, of thought, Lord, to the impact that their lives have on others. Lord, would you kind of help them to wake up this morning and realize that others are watching. And, Lord, for those who are struggling this morning with the idea of, of, of really just trying to process a lot of stuff, that, Lord, they, you would help them to realize you know. And it hasn't taken you by surprise. And, Lord, to remind each of us that you've got a plan and a purpose for all of it. So, Lord, use us this week. Open our hearts and minds. And when it's all said and done, God, may we give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together and we're going to sing.